Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You are entering the news vault from KCBS Radio. Flames and the smoke. I have a tape recorder in my hand. Now, nobody would think of doing that. The newsmen were blocking the door. It worked for a couple of seconds. Bringing the sounds of history back to life. Here is your host, Stan Bunger. This episode takes us back more than 60 years to an event largely forgotten, lost to history, a KCBS documentary entitled Expedition B-24. Fred Gurner and Dave McElhatton reported this piece on KCBS. It is the story of the 1943 World War II crash of a B-24 bomber, the consolidated B-24 on a routine night training mission above the High Sierra when it went down in a lake that at that time had no name. This was a lake at over 11,000 feet altitude in the High Sierra, 110 feet deep. And for many, many years, the father of the plane's co-pilot made regular trips into the mountains every summer, 17 years searching for the plane. That man's name was Clint Hester. The co-pilot was Second Lieutenant Robert Hester. Finally, in 1960, uh, two geologists discovered the crash site more than a year after Clint Hester, the grieving father, had passed away. And it is all of that that is told in this Expedition B-24 report from KCBS. It aired back on December 8, 1960. By the way, that lake, which had no name at the time of the plane crash, is now known as Hester Lake honoring Clint Hester, who simply would not give up the search for his son and the crew. Only parts of the airplane and some remains have been covered. The rest remain entombed in that very cold, very high altitude, very inaccessible high Sierra Lake. Expedition B-24 from December of 1960 on KCBS, a documentary written by Fred Gurner and named a winner of the 1961 Sigma Delta Chi Award. We thank the California Historical Radio Society and Bay Area Radio Museum for their preservation of the audio. December 5, 1943, a fierce storm has moved in over the high Sierra of Kings Canyon National Park, California. Lightning, turbulent winds, and now a heavy snow. The mountain peaks rise above 14,000 feet in this area. Second Lieutenant Robert M. Hester, co-pilot of a B-24 Liberator Army Air Force bomber, returning from a training flight to Tucson, Arizona, to its home base, Hammerfield, Fresno, California, has checked in by radio. 
The navigator, Second Lieutenant William Cronin, believes the ship is in the vicinity of Lone Pine, but the storm is so heavy he can't get a visual checkpoint. The buffeting winds have tumbled the gyro compass, so the 24 is flying DR now on magnetic. Hester tries to raise Hammer Field again to get an ADF fix, but the storm is growing worse. The receiver is a blur of static. Second Lieutenant Ellis Fish, bombardier, Sergeant Howard Wamke, waste gunner, and Sergeant Robert Bercy, flight engineer, exchange anxious looks as they tighten their seat belts and cling to parts of the fuselage as the bomber is thrown about by the force of the turbulence. Charles Turvey, second lieutenant and pilot, is growing arm-weary, trying to keep the four-motor giant in level flight attitude. The Liberator is growing more sluggish by the moment. Turvey flips the wing de-icer switches hard. They're working all right. The ice is just building up faster than the de-icers can handle it. The altimeter now reads 15,000 feet, and it's gradually sinking. What's our position now, Turvey asks his navigator. I'm not sure, Chuck. I'm just not sure, is the reply. The B-24 and its crew of six never reached Hammer Field at Fresno. It was never heard from or seen again until the 26th of July, 1960. On that Tuesday, U.S. Forest Ranger Leroy Brock on a mapping expedition of the unexplored mountains above Leconte Canyon in Kings Canyon National Park swung himself up over a ledge at the 12,000-foot level and discovered a tiny lake that probably had never been seen before by man. As Brock descended to the lake, he found dozens of aircraft parts strewn across the cliffside and in the lake. According to the stenciling on one of the parts, it was a World War II bomber. It read B-24E de-icer. That was the background to a fascinating and tragic news story that was traced exclusively on this program and was only concluded late yesterday afternoon with a report sent to KCBS by Senator Claire Engel of California. Thousands of listeners to this program had a hand in yesterday's happening. With the information brought in from the backcountry by Ranger Brock, Hamilton Air Force Base checked its records from the war years and indicated the wreckage Brock had found could possibly be from the long-missing bomber of December 1943. Fred Gurner, who used to produce this program, and who is now the overall producer for KCBS's Dimension series, and I, are dedicated aviation enthusiasts. We both fly, love flying, and flyers. Right after Brock's discovery, the 26th of July, Fred and I asked CBS News for the assignment of covering the story. We got it. We decided to fly to the area, but the weather report was forbidding. I had my schedule of shows to do. If we couldn't fly, I couldn't make it. Fred decided to drive and have a crack at it anyway. He took along Bob Fisher of San Mateo, who was an aqualung diving specialist, and a half a ton of diving equipment, cameras, and tape recorders. I didn't see Fred again for nearly four days when he came staggering into the station under the influence of horseback riding and mountain climbing. In just a moment, I'll play several of his on-the-scene, tape-recorded reports. The site of the lake where the wreckage was found lies near the 12,000-foot level between the two towering mountains, Langille Peak and the Citadel. It is one of the most inaccessible areas in the United States. To reach it, Fred Gurner and Bob Fisher drove first to Bishop, California, then 20 miles into Kings Canyon National Park to Rainbow Pack Outfit, where they obtained horses and mules. 
a nine-hour penetration into the mountains on horseback followed. Arriving at Brock's Ranger Camp in Leconte Canyon, the post manned only three months of the year because of the extreme cold, the lake lying only a mile and a half from the Ranger Camp. Sounds simple, except for the fact that the mile and a half are almost straight up. Fred, Bob, and Brock started climbing for the wreck at 6 a.m. It took them more than six hours to reach it. Here are several of the recordings made by Fred Gurner during the progress of the climb. 6 a.m., Davy, and those few hours of sleep were just a teaser. But I feel much refreshed, as does Bob, and we're leaving with Leroy Brock, the forest ranger, for the lake in just a moment. Fortune is smiling on us. It's a gorgeous, clear morning with the sun just beginning to tint the tops of the mountains. Dave, I don't think I've ever been quite so tired in my life. It's now 20 minutes of 9 o'clock. We've been going since 6 o'clock, and we've made 2,000 feet of, I think, the ruggedest terrain I've ever seen in my life. We've now reached something of a plateau, and staring us in the face is a thousand feet of sheer cliff separated by what they call the chutes. It's kind of a shale area where you can crawl up through to get above to the lake. Above this cliff area, the chutes area, there is another plateau, and then there's another climb from there. I'm packing the motion picture equipment, the still camera, the tape recorder and the film. Bob is packing the aqualung, and Johnny is packing the neoprene suits and the underwater light and the rest of the gear. And we're all three very tired at this point. We are all kneeling here by a brook. You can probably hear it, I think, even with this tiny tape recorder microphone that runs down from the chutes from the lake above. And of course, that's what we're trying to reach, the source. For that's the location of the wreck of the B-24. We're going to take about a oh, 10 or 15 minute rest here, and then we're going to have at it at the cliff. So the next time I'll talk to you, <laughs> it may be back down here again, or it may be from the top. Dave, it's five minutes past 12, and we've finally made the lake. After one of the toughest climbs I've ever had in my life. It's not hard to understand why the wreckage of this B-24 has remained here for, what is it now, 17 years without discovery. This area is probably one of the most inaccessible areas in California about the lake itself. It's about 250 yards across, and as best I can judge, about 600 yards long. I can best describe it by saying it looks like a rock quarry with a lot of water in it. There's no doubt about the B-24 crashing here. The whole mountainside is strewn with parts, and you can see from the water's edge that there are a number of parts in the water. 
You hear people speak of things breaking into a million pieces. This is, uh, could certainly apply to the wreckage. It appears to be in a million tiny pieces spread over a wide area, and yet there is no evidence of explosion or fire. It must have been a terrific impact. Fred searched for and found the original point of impact of the bomber. It had missed by 30 feet of clearing Black Divide Ridge. It had smashed down the frozen surface of the lake and disintegrated against the farther cliffside. Close to the point of initial impact, he found identification plates from the aircraft, B-24 Type E, serial number 412863, date accepted 623-43. Fisher made a series of dives in the lake, recovering many articles, including a fully packed parachute, landing lights, gloves, boots, and part of an aircraft seat and also a portion of one of the bodies miraculously preserved over 17 years in the icy water. Listen as Fred Gurner talks to diver Bob Fisher. Well, omitting any gory details, would you tell us what you uh, found on the floor of the lake? Well, the wreckage was strewn all over the bottom of the lake, all over, not just in one spot. On my first dive with my tank, I came across two parachutes tied in with a lot of wreckage. I went down, I tried to pull the parachutes apart from the wreckage, but there are, seemed like hundreds of lines, wire lines, leather lines, and I was pretty leery of it due to the fact that I didn't want to get tied or hung up in the lines and get trapped down there. They were, the, the parachutes were attached to the packs, but they were covered over, so I couldn't see actually what was under them. But, uh, out towards the deepest part, I was using my light, and it looked like a whole portion floating face down. Several days after the expedition returned, KCBS received a telephone call from a Mrs. Hester in West Los Angeles, California. Her son, Lieutenant Robert M. Hester, had been the co-pilot of the Liberator which had found its 1943 grave in the unnamed lake. She told us her husband, Clinton Hester, had searched for the missing plane for many years after the war. It had been a heartbreak for her husband that he had never located it. His son had been very dear to him. Clinton Hester died last year. With the cooperation of KCBS, Time magazine printed the Hester story in detail. It occurred to Fred Gurner and I that inasmuch as Lieutenant Hester was the only Californian aboard the ill-fated B-24, it would seem fitting to name the lake, which has served as his resting place for 17 years, Hester Lake. I asked you on this program for your support to send in a letter or a postcard indicating that this suggestion represented your thinking, too. Your response was immediate and overwhelming. Thousands of you took the time and trouble to write your thoughts. It's an experience I shall never forget. Mr. Maury Webster, Vice President and General Manager of KCBS, took your request to Governor Brown, Senators Keekle and Engel, and Secretary Fred Seaton of the Department of the Interior. The final chapter was written yesterday afternoon. The conclusion to the saga of the long-missing B-24, it could never be considered a happy one but it can be classed as satisfying. Mr. Webster received this communication late yesterday afternoon from the office of California Senator Claire Engel, and I quote, 
Board on Geographic Names has approved the name Hester Lake for an unnamed lake in Kings Canyon National Park, California. As originally proposed, the name would commemorate Lieutenant Robert M. Hester, co-pilot of the B-24 bomber, which crashed in the lake in December 1943. The board considers that the late Clinton Hester should also be honored in this connection because of the great devotion shown by him over a period of many years, searching for his only son, who had been his companion on outings in the Sierra Nevada, unquote. So an end is written to the story which began 17 years ago last Saturday. The ending is yours. I'm very glad I have you for an audience. Remember to follow the News Vault from KCBS Radio on social media. On Facebook, we're at News Vault Podcast. On Twitter, find us at News Vault SF. On Instagram, we're at News Vault. Until our next episode, you are leaving the News Vault from KCBS Radio. is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.